Yeah, yeah like, that's what we're on, starting Mike, with. Like, wait, you're leaving this in, right? Right? Sure, I can leave this in. <laughs> you're gonna leave, leave you're gonna leave this awkward silence in, just dead air on no, I'll radio. Edit, I'll edit I'll edit the dead air out. I'll edit the dead air out. Okay, so we're gonna go we're we're gonna start out with some sponsors. We're gonna uh, I'm gonna work some of them in also to our to our podcast as well. So our first one is I'm wearing their shirt. It's uh if you were watching the video version of this, I just pointed to my shirt as Project X Guard. Um Raul Chavez has started a not-for-profit that is working with at-risk youth in the GTA. Um, he is on Instagram at Raul Chavez and also Project X Guard. He is uh, working with a lot of at-risk youth in the area. So if you know somebody who would benefit from the program from the programs that he is running, reach out to him or you can reach out to us at the Choking Hazard podcast page. That's Project X Guard and Raul Chavez. The other one, or another big sponsor, is, and I'm not reading what Aaron sent me. I'm going to read my own thing. Is Spirit Leaf Water Down Ontario? Uh, shout out to Alex Tang and his crew that he has there. It's a brand new cannabis store there that just opened up as early as last week. They have all the CBD, all the THC, all the C3PO, all the R2D2 that you can that you could possibly need. They got edibles, they got gummies, they got more candy than Will, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. They're located at, guess what, Aaron? Where are they located at? Do you know? 60, 64 Hamilton Street in Waterdown. That's 20 minutes. That's that's right, two zero minutes outside of Peel region. If you're also in the Hamilton region, you're probably about 20 minutes from there as well. They have all the connects that you need. Now, this is an in-store promotion you need to go specifically into that Spirit Leaf location that's located at Aaron. 64 Hamilton Street, Waterdown. So there is a code. We have a, uh, a post that we put out. It is, our code is CHPODCAST10. There is a post that we have. You need to be following us. You also need to be following the Spirit Leaf Waterdown page. You need to show them that code at checkout and that post, and you will get 10% off all of your purchases that you'll be making there with that hopefully uh that is spirit leaf water down you have to be over the age of 19. hey now sorry that, to cut in sorry to cut in real quick water down's my hometown so shout out water down that's across the street from Ouroboros. shout out andre andre grambois my mom has a daycare out there go check out parkside daycare <laughs> <laughs> no that's, that's awesome that's gonna I love it. we're gonna get uh we're gonna get bill's mom to sponsor us shout out parkside daycare that's it for all your toddler needs your kids being a pusatangi just down the street from spirit leaf water down so you can put your kid in there you could go to spirit leaf water down you can pick up what you need and then you can go pick up your child <laughs> and that's also located at bill the corner of Parkside and Hamilton Street. Beautiful. We now have a third sponsor. It's Bill's mom. There we go. All right, continue. You know, no, this is perfect because here we are. We are supporting local businesses, especially in a time where we are being shut down and lockdowns and red zones and gray zones and everything. So and I think it's important, especially like we're talking about different businesses and all that kind of jazz and getting the message out and how do we shop local or support local? That's a big important. So I'm glad we were able to collaborate <laughs> like that. That was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Great guys. So today we are joined with Bill DeFretas of the Grappling Canada Variety Channel. So Bill, tell us like what you've been doing because I we got in touch mostly through your channel and you've been kind of like go in the background throughout this entire process, but like how long have you been running this channel for? Um, I started just after New Year last year, basically right before the pandemic. So terrible timing, but um, but yeah, so like almost a year now. Excellent. So what, what kind of made you kind of get into that? Like, what was it? Um, basically uh, admitting to myself that I'm washed up and maybe not going to be the competitor that I thought I was going to be. 
Okay. That's okay. Uh, Aaron, Aaron found that out about 10 years ago. I found that out about 20 years ago. It's all good. Yeah. But like, honestly, and then looking around, we got a lot of talented guys and uh, people just need some more exposure. And I figured I could help. There's a, there's a bit of gap there, like in, in the market. So why not? Like we got like, like Sims just came third in pants, you know, like we have some really good guys out there and just people need to know about it. Absolutely. Um, he, like he had a really good performance and he was facing like world-class talent. And w- with that said, I think a lot of people, I think outside of Canada, maybe even Ontario, they kind of overlook, I think a lot of guys that go down there and compete, but there's a lot of people. And like you mentioned, like Steve Sims is like a perfect example. Of somebody who's like, he's at that level where like, he just took bronze in an absolute and he lost to, you know, he lost to Hulk, but like Hulk's also like a world-class talent. Um, we're also going to have, I think Nathan DeSantos on in a couple of weeks. He's somebody who is at that level too. And he's just, he, he also competed against him at one point as well, where, you know, these guys are there, they just need the exposure and they're, they're competitive with all these world-class names that, you know, that, you know, like, you know, Lucas Barbosa, Kynan and all, yeah. all the guys at Autos and all the guys, like all the Danaher guys, like the guys yeah, that we it, have it, here, I think are just as good as the guys that are down there. Exactly. And Nathan DeSantos is a good example. Like I've been grappling around here for almost 10 years and I didn't know anything about him until this year. And like Michael Sheehan roasted me. He's like, how, like, how do you not know him? Do you know this man? Do you not yeah. know this man? Yeah, he's like, are you serious? I, I had no clue. And I watched some of his matches. And he's fucking sick, man. Like, so yeah, again, just more exposure. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. Where especially like when we had um, Ricardo on, we were talking about like Canadian media, right? So and it's not necessarily the um, yeah. As much as we want to have like Flow Grappling and all these big companies come up here to talk about it it's like it's guys like yourself guys like us like small venues or whatever or media streams to start building this content and then we can eventually start getting these guys a little bit more exposure especially on a local scene and then building them out even further yeah for sure and through this like i've already started discovering way more people that i've never heard of before like i'll start shouting out somebody from toronto then i'll hear from somebody at carlson gracie uh frontline in calgary and they're like this girl Chase Decima just, I forget what it was. I think it was uh, Purple Belt Guy Pans, her first tournament at Pan or at Purple Belt and wins gold. Like I've never, I've never heard of her. Like people need to know about these, uh, these competitors. Yeah. We, I, we haven't even really scratched the surface of like what we, what, like we've talked to a lot of people in Ontario. Like we haven't even touched like even too many people outside of it. We've talked to a couple of people in Quebec. We talked to like Glenn McKenzie recently, but like we haven't talked to even a lot of people out West and there's a lot of untapped uh, talent out there as well. There's a lot of world-class guys that, you know, they just basically what it comes down to, they just need the exposure. Nobody knows them, but like they have the potential to win major tournaments internationally. Yeah, for sure. Like I, that was the plan at the start of this was to drive maybe not out West, but at least I met a couple guys from Winnipeg. Um, this team, uh, DST, this guy, Dion SOS, I had a good match against uh, Darson actually. And uh, I was going to plan on drive out there, meet those guys. I wanted to go out east to, uh, I think everybody wants to meet Kent Peters at some time or at some point. But uh, whatever, for now, like these interviews are great too. Like what you guys are doing, reaching out to, you can reach out to anybody really. Like you just got to meet some people out west and you can have your interview with them, start giving them some more exposure. And that's, uh, that's all we can do. No, for sure. So kind of like, where do you kind of like picture like your channel, like going, like, do you feel like you're trying to build it up more or just keep going? Obviously travel a little bit more. Uh, Yeah. I want to travel more. I want to use the channel and I guess the brand is, um, is something more than just, than just a channel and like an Instagram page. I want to turn it into something more, more real, but uh, it's, it's a long plan. It's going to take some time. So I'm not really, I'm not saying too much about it right now, just because you never know what's, what's going to happen. I mean, three months in and my plans changed completely. So I'm not thinking too far ahead in the future, you know? It's hard to plan right now based on what's going on. But mm-hmm. with that said, there's, uh, there's a lot of potential for, you know, there's media sources and outlets like we, like Aaron even mentioned 
uh, in a previous podcast we had Ricardo on and there's not really, I think like one of the main problems I think we all agree with is like, there's a lot of really good guys here, but just nobody knows of them outside of like their gym. Yeah. 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 When's Ricardo going to have some Canadians on his show? Never. <laughs> Probably never. <laughs> uh, he's, he's he's big timing us now. Well, he, he came on here, but like you know, but like he's I think he, he's working for Full Grappling right now, and he's doing a lot yeah. of things internationally. So, but with, with with that said, I think it's you know why can't we have more more local people on here? Like why why you know yeah, and you know like. Gra- Flow like grappling, flow grappling, flow grappling's great. They're they're amazing. I have nothing bad to say. Like whatever they do is great for the sport. We're such a small sport, anyways, that anything to get attention is great. But like just speaking of exposure, I I've been, I was watching Pans obviously quite a bit this weekend, and like they really go on to like the popular guys. You know what I mean? Because it's it's good for the brand. It, it builds it faster. Like um, there's this guy out of uh, Henzo's, Damian Damian Anderson. He's, he's a solid competitor. He's, he's awesome. But um, at Pans, he won his first match. Second match, he lost by ref's decision. No big deal. But right away, Flo posts like, his submission from the first match right after he loses in the second round. And then we have a guy, that Max Hansen guy I've been talking to, ran through his, his division and then loses in the finals. And you, you're never going to hear about him, you know? Yeah, that's somebody we're actually going to have on uh, Great. Next, awesome. next week, actually. So he's somebody that I've seen. I think I've, I've read some of his matches as well. So that's that's somebody I've noticed that he's had some success competing at like a lot of like, I think like Noki Pants specifically mm-hmm. that he's been he, he's been doing well. And if you look at a lot of like big like Noki Pans, Noki Worlds, like there's a lot of Canadians that s- slip in there and like, you know, Steve Sims is a perfect example of somebody who's like, he made an absolute black belt podium. And that's like, it's a huge accomplishment. Like he's, yeah. he's basically world-class with all those other guys. Yeah. And I don't know if it was at um, the last Nogi worlds, but there would have been two. Yeah. I might not be right here, but yeah, Max faced another Canadian in the finals. And then there was another finals with uh, Urgis and Amr. So there's like two all Canadian finals. So like there's good guys out here, man. Good guys. So what so do you kind of think that, is like, sorry, no, no, go for no, it. No, you go, saying. you go. Okay. So what do you kind of think is like on a, whether it's an athlete thing or is it more of like um, organization thing? What do you think like the Canadian athletes need to do to get themselves more exposure? Or is it just us creating more media to build off that? What's your kind of take on it? Yeah, I think at this point, it's just more. We just need more of, of everything, more competitors, more, more media. Um, it's just tough because it's a sport with not a ton of money involved, right? So not a lot of, of these American um, organizations are going to be wanting to fly out a Canadian guy or something like that to compete. There's not too many big tournaments that come around here. The one thing that we really need to change around here, and I, I don't know the ins and outs, so... I, I can't say like how easy this is, but we got to get heel hooks allowed around here. It just makes for more. Hey, we need to have just, heel hooks right over here. Look, it just, it just makes for more exciting matches because it's just, it's that like, Ooh, factor. It's the shock factor. You know, like you don't see, you don't see a flash rear naked choke. You know, you don't see like a wide, like it's a long setup, you know, but you see these crazy. <laughs> Whoa there, Mike. You see these, uh, you see these crazy um, like heel hooks where the guy spins out of bounds and like crazy um, taps and stuff like that. It just makes for more exciting matches. That's all. Yeah, I, I think now that the IBJJF has legalized it, and I think when you look at like organizations like this Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association and the OJA and the OGA, like now that the like the main kind of people are or supporting it it might be easier to get it legalized for local tournaments hopefully it, at the it, brown black level it will I think. it will yeah because uh ba- basically what the oja goes on is what the ibjjf goes on so if the ibjjf makes like a major rule change uh usually the oja and the cja and all the other organizations will follow suit as well because that's the the rule set that they follow yeah. What are the rules that the IBJJF is going to pass and when do they come in effect? I think it's 2021. It's is supposed it, to happen. 
Is it just reaping or heel hooks or what's what's the? It's both uh, for brown and black belt, but uh, but that's specifically to no gi. So gi, you can't okay. heel hook somebody, you can't reap somebody, but in okay. no gi, you can do both. At brown and black belt. Now we had this yeah. discussion with Patricia. Maybe not a good idea to do it at white belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, think, sure. but I, I agree with brown and black belt, and also from like a refereeing standpoint, it makes. Uh, things a lot more black and white because with like a knee reap rule, there can well, be so many different directions that it can go. It could be a penalty. It could be just, you know, place well, your speaking, foot here, you, keep going. Uh, you can get to, it could be a total disqualification depending on what the situation is. Yeah. Did you see what happened in, uh, in Taz's match? I did no. not. No. I did so not. it's, it's a perfect example of why it's like, okay, good. Like this just, Let's just make this easier to, for everybody. Take the rule out of there. Because it's a rule that I thought was cleared up by now. He um, entered that inside triangle position from the bottom. The guy was on one knee. So he had inside triangle from the bottom. Basically, this is what Gordon did at the, I think it was the Nogi Worlds or Pans, where he swept from there and would come up on top and then pass. So Taza had this exact position on the guy. Not easy to get. Like, that's the battle. And um, ref stops the match separates them gives taza a penalty and it's it was a completely legal thing and it's like i, I mean if you get a bad ref's decision or something when you're like a blue belt or a purple belt who who cares but at black belt and those types of situations like that you can't that can't happen like the refs have to know the rules i think it's more it's not necessarily what the rule is it's it's also it can be it's a very gray area so you can take that situation and you can have three refs interpret it three different ways. And I think that's a major issue when yeah. it comes to like the IBGF rule set is one person can be like, okay, well, that's a penalty because you know, his foot's like across like the midline of the body. Okay. You're going to reset and all that. Um, another person will just let it go. And another person could disqualify the person. He's like, Oh, like he's holding his ankle on that side. And yeah. like, it looks like he's going for a footlock. That's a DQ. You can't do that. That's, that's a reap and a footlock, but that's why I think at a brown black belt level, it's good to get just, Hey, let reaping, let reaping be legal. Let heel hooks be legal, legal. Uh, if you're a brown or black belt, you should know how to defend both those things by, by that time. Because if you're a brown or black belt, you're pretty much at the advanced kind of professional level of jujitsu mm -hmm. where you should know, you should know what a heel hook is. You should know what a, a reap is and, you know, like I get protecting white belts because it's like protecting like a little, you know, toddler who's like trying to stick his fork in an outlet. <laughs> it's basically how I view view out yeah. or like trying to protect Aaron from himself sometimes. <laughs> but basically the rules are there to kind of protect, you know, from injuries and protect competitors from themselves for the most part. But like at a brown or black belt level, like people know what positions are good and bad and how deep things are. So they should have the responsibility to either tap or, you know, know how to defend certain things, i.e. reaping heel hooks, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's the, what's the thought behind no heel hooks and gi? Is it just like the, the friction is too tight? You get wrapped up in there. What's the, what's the deal there? I've seen a lot of issues where you can get stuck in those positions. And like, even if you have, you know, you're, you're doing the proper defenses and everything, just like clothing can get caught. Like how many times have you guys rolled and like, your foot got stuck in someone's sleeve or someone's belt yeah, or yeah. someone like, so in regards to that, like if somebody goes for a heel hook and then you try to defend, but your foot is stuck and that guy doesn't know, like that's a blown out ACL. And now you're not training for a year because your leg was stuck in a position that you, you couldn't defend. And something like a heel hook goes, can go, it's one of those all submissions. Like you can crank on an arm bar and it can, things will snap, crackle and pop very quickly, but like a heel hook, you're, you're rotating a lot of ligaments to the knee. So those will snap really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've always felt like with arm bars and stuff like that, if you don't know what you're doing, like if you're a white belt, you can let a white belt spaz on your arm and you're, you're not going to be too worried about it. But if somebody gets your heel and they're just going nuts, like you could, you could still get some good damage there. Like I really think it has to be worth it to compete with, with heel hooks. Yeah. Yeah. I think like a professional level, they're fine. Like, but yeah. you know, if it's a white belt who's, 40 who's doing it on the weekends and it's like his basically like his shinny hockey <laughs> equivalent then like 
they don't need to, they like, sure. They should learn like heel hooks and everything. Cause it's a part of, you know, the martial art itself. But with that said, you know, I don't think they need to be doing heel hooks and white belts. Or just, just learn to tap early. That's the, just learn to tap. That's, early that's well. what I always do with those men. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how schools adjust to it. So obviously like how they start teaching it into their curriculum, whether they start introducing it more into blue and purple compared to like, only at purple to brown to black and, and all that. But I'm curious to see how the level of will of that teaching will change, especially with all these new guys learning these techniques at a younger level. I think it's going to be interesting to see how all these schools react, especially in Ontario. But I know like in the U.S. where it's a little bit more free for all, but here it would be very interesting. Yeah, I think there would be, you'd see a lot of gyms that you don't hear about too often. You would see a lot more of their jujitsu competitors being successful with, with those rules being in place. Like, uh, I know Parabellum, they, they start with, I mean, when they were around, unfortunately, but um, they started teaching basically hill hooks from like the start. And um, a lot of their competitors are really, really good. It's just, you, you don't hear about them in the, uh, in like the gi categories around here very much. So it's too bad. Uh, too bad they're not around anymore. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Things get uh, hopefully things uh, yeah. the situation resolves itself, and a lot of these I mean, schools can reopen again. Yeah, I mean, Rory, Rory was just doing so much for also for the community. Like he was doing more than any of us as far as putting on those events and really, really giving guys a spotlight. Like he he had a lot of momentum going. It was it was it was good. Yeah, you know what? Like, I'm, you know, he was having really good success with the Parabellum, uh, the Quintex, which I thought was a really good idea. I'd like to see them get expanded a little bit more to see how they can start adding. Obviously, we can't do shows right now, anyways, yeah. let alone a tournament. But I really do hope to see a lot of the schools that have shut down be able to come back. But it's going to be interesting to see who is able to come back, especially after the first and the second shutdown. And the unknown effect and all that kind of jazz. So, mm-hmm. so the, you've been, you've been kind of around to a bunch of different places. Like how have, um, how has the, the atmosphere been around clubs? Like how has it been with like competitors? Are they still getting some training in? Like, again, it, it, I guess it kind of depends on the gym, right? Some are still pretty cautious about training. Um, there's certain some guys are getting getting their work in still. Like you could see, Steve didn't miss a beat. You know, like um, everybody's just keeping it positive. It's tough because it's already a, a hard sport to do full time and remain competitive um, when there is competition going on. So it's like now everybody's just trying to stay positive and just be like, you know, we're just we're just staying sharp. You know, mm-hmm. eight months later, just stay keeping sharp. You know. But uh, I don't know, man. Everybody's everybody's being as good as you can about it. You know, what do you what do you do? Well, I, yeah, you have to adapt and kind of build off that, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Some, you got to lift some weights, like I've been doing, and uh, you're trying to go up like multiple weight classes. That's the goal. What are you What are you clocking in at right now? Uh, I'm clocking in about 260 right now. Oh, <laughs> Is that, are you for real or no? Yeah, I was about 180 <laughs> before lockdown. Now I'm about 260. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm taking some sweet ass supplements from CanadianProtein.com. Yeah, you have no idea, bro. I put on like 60 pounds of muscle and just like eating clean lockdown. Just eating clean. Eating yeah. clean. Eat clench, <laughs> trend hard. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's funny, man. See that that's how you work in uh that's how you work in our sponsors, Aaron. Sure. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Aaron's actually yours- Aaron's actually gone the reverse. He's actually gone from 260 to 180, back to 260 now. Now that he's back in another shutdown. Yeah, yeah. Working speaking, on it. Speaking of that, though, a lot of guys have definitely been hitting the weights. You can see a lot of people haven't been wasting their time, and uh, people are definitely going to be going up some weight classes. I think Darson just signed up for like a middleweight for for um, World's Masters or something like that. Yeah, no, he's never going back down to life ever. ever. No, <laughs> he's not vegan anymore. He's not a soy boy. So he's, he's yeah. lifting weights. He went up about four weight classes. But yeah, good, dude. you know what? Good for him, though. I honestly feel when I'm lifting, getting stronger, my body physically feels better. I don't feel as banged up. 
especially when like Aaron tries to spaz on me when we're, when we're training. Like, I don't feel hey, as, like you have to remember, I am not no. the one who ripped your knee apart. That was Charlon. That was somebody else. Yes. Um, are you, what happened to you happened with me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had a, I had a gentleman who's about, he's about 180, 185 pounds. He was like a former yeah. power, former power lifter. So like he dead, he's deadlifted like you know, trucks, 650 pounds, like in his prime, like he's, freak freak athlete like used to be like run track track and field guy so Charlotte shout out to Charlon if he's listening to this but uh we were training he picked up jujitsu like he was really immersing himself in it so we we're training I was just doing like single leg defense he's trying to take me down I'm kind of being a dick and like tripping him and doing different things and then like I think I awoke the eye of the tiger and he basically treated my leg like a barbell and snapped it in half okay but like basically he dislocated my knee, but he was just so strong that like when he went to pull on a single, he just like all the fast twitch muscle fibers, he just like reefed. And then like, I just felt my knee like wrap around almost 180 around my leg. Oh, I think I was making was... like, I think my face just went white. I was like, oh. it did. <gasps> it did. And then Aaron's looking at me like, oh, something's wrong. Mike <laughs> usually doesn't make those faces. What was the actual injury? Because like I, I tore my meniscus a while ago. I got surgery apparently coming up in January. And some people, apparently, are, like, apparently. people are like, well, it, it's, it's loosely booked right now. Yeah, um, due to uh, due to COVID, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I don't want to drink, jinx anything, be a dick, but that might get pushed back. There's a strong chance of that. Who knows? Who knows? But anyways, some people are like, oh, you'll be back in two weeks. And some people are like, I still can't walk after it. So what oh, was really? what's like? what's your actual injury? The actual injury, um, I've had knee issues as well. So I've had meniscus issues that I've just kind of dealt with. But uh, I dislocated my patella. Oh, so basically my patella went from, so my kneecap, it went from the center of my leg to not the center of my leg. It basically good. went to, I, it went laterally. So it went around to like the outside of my leg <laughs> and then pop back in after a few seconds after I think Charlon gently put it back in, but then I couldn't, it was a good like month. It was, it was also bad as well because like I had a European vacation, like we went to, we had like a family vacation. Like I went with some of my wife's family to Paris and we went to around there. It was a lot of walking. Yeah. So like, I was like icing down my knee, like in between like doing stuff. Like I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go train like a day there. And I was like looking up gyms and then like pretty much a week and a half before that, my knee gets ripped in half. I'm like, Nope, not training there. Screw that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, it was, it was a dislocated patella, but I've had, uh, I've torn my LCL on, I think on my other knee at one point I have, it was dealing with that for a while. I was actually competing with it for a while, which was probably not the best idea. Like I was actually talking to other people about, cause like everybody's trained injured or they just train through things, but mm -hmm. that one I probably shouldn't have trained through because like, I still feel it a little bit to this day. Like my knees are kind of shot, but that's also a reason why, like I'm trying to work out a lot more. Cause I feel my knees are a lot more stable. My joints are a lot more stable when I'm bigger, stronger, and heavier, I guess you can say, yeah. because I have a lot more, because I'm strengthening the ligaments and the, ligaments and the tendons around, but a lot of like the muscles around them as well. If I'm getting those stronger in the right way, it helps to just kind of like reinforce everything versus like, you know, being a little, being a little soy boy and not lifting. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, that was the advice I got forever like you have to lift not to be like jacked but just to protect yourself and uh didn't listen didn't listen hit 30 and everything fell apart that's usually what yeah, happens in general when you happens. hit 30 because that's what happened as soon as i turned 30 i had like probably like one of the worst injuries i think i've had doing jiu-jitsu oh, well i've had some other ones too was that the knee thing that was the knee yeah but i've oh, also okay. dislocated my i've had a whole bunch of injuries i don't think i've ever really fully talked about them on here but like uh like worse i, I guess we'll go into like worst jujitsu jujitsu injuries we can start with aaron uh male pattern baldness is not an injury aaron but like if you have anything no. to share you can um, uh, go right ahead yeah no the actually the worst one i had was my ankle so i went from um, a mounted triangle so i was like in s mount and then i went to throw the leg over I connected the triangle and then as I connected, 
the guy bridge to push off and basically rolled his entire shoulder and neck onto my ankle as my ankle went rolled itself over and I just felt it pop and explode and I was like oh my god I just I just I broke my foot right and I just like I didn't know what happened it sounded like a shotgun went off like boom (laughs) yeah and so that one just and like automatically my ankle just started I could just see the swelling just go up there I'm like that's not good and so luckily I didn't break anything I didn't tear anything but it just like it was just cartilage that just kind of popped and then it went back into place. So it wasn't a major injury, but this, the worst one that was like the most painful one was my ribs. So the floating ribs, I Ooh. separated oh, those. Yeah. And so the, what happened was I was in, I was on the bottom North South and the guy was just pinning my upper body down, but my legs were able to swing. So I was able to like, I was trying to like swing so I could reach up and the leg uh, kind of, trap something or whatever yeah and as i went to swing one hard over the side i just felt everything go drop right in the floor. and i was like oh my god get off of me right <laughs> i was like he gets off of me so i separated like the two ribs or something like that and to this day and this was like six years six seven years ago like to this day like still if i sit in the wrong position for a long time I, I can still feel it. It's still messed up and like my serratus and all that. And like, that was like the worst because like the night of I couldn't like sleep. And then I was, I lived in the basement at the time of my mom's place. And then I wake up in the morning to like to go to work and I can't get out of my bed. Yeah. And I'm like, I literally cannot get up. So I called my mom and I'm like, Hey mom, I need your help. Like, I need to get, mom, get, get down get here. <laughs> mom, bring me Oreos. <laughs> so like she helps me out of bed, but Oh, that was the worst. That was the worst pain ever. So just like ugh. rib injuries are the, like, cause you can't do anything either. No, they can't, can't. swing you. No. They can't, they can't put a tension bandage on it. They just like, no, you gotta let it heal. That's it. I'm like, that is I think, I, I think I've, I've had some uh, floating rib injuries as well. Like I basically like sprained and ripped off some of the ligaments. So like to this day, like my ribs are actually like a little bit warped in some areas where like, usually like they wrap around and they sit, but like when, usually when people like tear the cartilage, it, the rib itself, like it's supposed to sit and kind of sit flush all yeah. the way around like your, your torso yeah, a couple of my ribs don't do that. They actually like will stick and pop out of it. So like yeah. me trying to twist and spaz out a side control when you're like a white belt or a blue belt with uh, somebody who's like 280 pounds on top of you doesn't doesn't work uh, very well. <laughs> yeah. I found out the hard way. Um, another one, ankle related, was I was okay. I think I was competing. I think it was like the Ottawa Open. So Ooh. I was it was like a semifinal match. This is like you know, 20 years ago when I used to compete. So my foot, so I, I was trying to play Delaheba. My foot was, you know, my wrapped around the outside. I'm hooking the back of their knees. So he steps, but then my foot gets wedged right between his legs, like right in his crotch, like right in the front. So like, you know, like there's like that seam, like in the front of your pants. Mm-hmm. So speaking mm-hmm. of why I don't think heel hooks should be legal <laughs> at Gee, I basically got my foot stuck and it my foot went from this so like it was foot here and then it just rotated uh, all the way around 180 and it just went and all i heard was just pop, 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 pop. it was like seven or eight pops it was just like da, 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 da. and you can see it on the video i think i have to find the video somewhere it's just like da, 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 da. and then my foot just goes like that like limp uh, <laughs> i keep that's like 30 seconds into the match so i i know my ankle's completely wrecked at that point so I pull him into close guard. I'm like, okay, I got to find a way to sweep him and then stall like crazy on top because I can't stand up. I have no ankle right now. So I swept him. Uh, I did like a, like a big like tornado sweep. I did like a cyborg sweep because I was obsessed with them at Blue Belt. Swept him. I got up on top. I got the points. I stood up. And then I get the points. And then like just pure instinct – my foot just gives that because I'm going to pass standing. 
my foot just gives out. I fall down and he gets back up and, and he gets points on me again. And like, and I think like Dan and Tony are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. What's wrong with you? He's like on top. Yeah. I'm like, my, I don't want to say anything. Which my ankle is completely busted. And then we're competing and then we're like rolling. I'm just playing like spider guard. I'm just basically just trying to keep him in my guard. I'm like just being purely defensive, keep him in my guard. And then I got to a point where, I got up on like the world's worst single leg and then I kind of like pushed him half-heartedly out of bounds, got an advantage, grabbed a collar, sat down again, and then pulled him into closed guard, stalled the rest of the match and won. I stood up, I got my arm raised and then like took two steps and then my ankle just gave out again. <laughs> and I dropped to a knee and I'm like, oh shit, this is not good. And then no, no. I go, I, I didn't even look at my ankle, but I knew it was completely like wrecked at that point. So I go to the medics table because I knew like I know, something's wrong and I pull up the ankle. It's basically like, so if I take my ankle, it was maybe like going up this way. So like, here's my fist and like, you know, here's my calf. So this is the, the visual part of it. So it's like <laughs> ankle and then it's like ankles like this. <laughs> it's like a snake just ate a baby and then all the way down just went skinny again. They're like, and they're looking at me like, yeah, you're done today, man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can't walk. I think I'm good. And then, like, I had to forfeit the, my gold medal match because I couldn't even stand. Yeah, you'd be done after that. I was icing it and wrapping it right, like crazy. And then the next day, I was actually scheduled to ref. I ref the whole day on, like, a completely busted ankle. And I pretty much sat in the middle. Like, I was stand, like, usually, like, where refs usually stand, like, like you'll have one person on one side one on the other and then a person in the middle who's refing like i just stood there the whole day and i'm like i'm not running after anybody you go out of bounds and you hit a table that's on you i don't care i can't move i'm just here to call points and that's it yeah man. that's basically like the exact same story as my last match that i had it was like it was against matthew isaacs and Basically, we both pull guard because we're light feathers. And uh, I go to oh, step nice. my... So I, nobody, I, nobody passes guard at light feather. No, no. But hey, I like it because I'll, I'll just get up right away and just not play that game and just try and pass. But in this case, I got up, got my advantage. And the first step I took, I felt my knee give out. Like you, can see, you can see it in the video. I step, Ooh. knee gives out, and I just sit back down. We basically just like scissor it out for six or seven <laughs> minutes. And just let the, me bang, bro. Just let me bang. The whole, the whole time, the whole time, I could hear my my coach, my team screaming, just get up. I've lost so many matches just going for ankle locks and losing by like an advantage. So I could hear them all screaming, just get up. Get your points, get up. There's a point I straighten my leg and I point to my leg. And you could hear them on the video. They're like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Get up! Like, get, I'm like yeah, I'm like, I, I can't. And then same thing though. We got stop fucking pointing yeah. at your leg and get up. Yeah. So I managed to get to my feet. I, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I think I like somewhat had a Kimura. We rolled out of bounds. I may have almost had a somewhat takedown just to like eke out a ref's decision. And it's like okay, I got that. We're basically done for the day here. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's like I am done. I yeah, yeah. It's such a like, it's such a crazy feeling though when you feel it go out and you're like, oh no, I got six minutes left to go here. You know, <laughs> it's basically how I felt with my ankle. It was like, literally like I pulled guard and it was like 15, 20 seconds in. I'm like, I just pop, 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 pop. It was just like seven or eight pops. I'm like, all right, well, my ankle's completely wrecked. I don't know how I'm gonna win this, but <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. give it the old college try here. Oh well, oh well. Hey, how do you, do you, um, how does it feel giving out refs decisions in a close match? Do you just like shut your ears and then raise a hand? Well, I've learned from, like, Mike is very biased, so he chooses who he wants to win. <laughs> so he screwed over a lot of teams and I've had like people reach out to me and they're not happy about it, so. And they're not, oh, I would like to see some of these emails. It's like, uh, or these, or these lawsuits that are like fake news. Like I want to see some of these things. Like Aaron, do you, did you even receive any like mail or anything? Can we actually like pull this up? Hey, I, I can't tell you my sources. Okay. The confidence. You're full of shit. Cause you don't have any sources. That's why. Hey, look, it's, just, no, called like, being, it comes, it's, it's just called being a good ref. That's all. 
I think it comes down to I, I look at who's who's pressing the action, but also who is the closest to either scoring points or scoring submissions. So I'll give you an example. Let's say it's one advantage to one advantage. Let's say you were competing against Maddie again. Um, like, let's say you had a really tight ankle lock. He's grimacing, but he gets out of it. Like you get an advantage or let's say he almost sweeps you and then he gets an advantage and it's, you know, one, one, um, basically the way that it's been taught to me to award like a referee decision, whoever, be, whoever is closer to, uh, like winning the match decisively. So like, let's say you almost ankle locked or you almost submitted somebody, versus somebody who had another advantage and they almost swept you, you should win that in theory because you were, you almost scored a submission. He almost scored a sweep mm-hmm. as one example. Another one can be now, if it comes down to like, it's zero, zero across the board, then you have to look at who got, who got the closest to steal or uh, stealing like uh, like an advantage for, you know, like, Oh, like he off balanced them, but he didn't really, didn't really like commit or come up onto a sweep or he didn't secure it for like three seconds, for example, something that didn't warrant an advantage, but like, it's almost like a phantom advantage that you almost see at like black belt level where it's like, they almost kind of sort of did something and it kind of scores like a, like an invisible advantage point, I guess you can say. Yeah. 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 Aaron, do you rep? Those are really, those are really difficult to score though. Yeah. Aaron doesn't, Aaron doesn't ref. No. Why, why, do you, why do you ref? I don't, I don't know why anybody would want to ref. <laughs> uh, money, money, money helps actually. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that was the main reason why I got into it. It was because like I, I was training, I was a blue belt, you know, I was working like a bit here and there, but like, like, let's say I wanted to travel and do a bigger tournament. What I would do is I would ref a lot more of the local ones. So I'd take a step back. I wouldn't compete as I would still compete like locally, but then I would ref and take that money and I would put it away towards like, Oh, I'm going to go to pans. I'm going to go to worlds. I'm going to go to like different bigger tournaments. So I would basically take like that jujitsu fund money and then do it and do bigger, bigger tournaments like that. Like one, once or twice a year. That's, that's kind of like the main reason why I got into it. Plus like, it also helps to, once you ref and you understand the rules, it also helps you to become a better competitor too, because what I've told people at our program that is now deceased for the time being is, you know, like, let's say you're playing a game of basketball and you're playing against somebody. How do you know if you're winning or how can you win if you don't know how to score points or if you don't know how to score a basket or you don't know, like, you know, like this is a two point shot. This is a three point shot. Like if you don't know that, like how you were at a huge disadvantage to, you know, knowing how to, to win a jiu-jitsu match. Like if you know the fun, like the fundamental rules of like, okay, like this is a takedown, this is a sweep. You would get an advantage for this. You would get a penalty for that. That knowledge is so, especially at the, the higher levels of competition, where those little time, like a lot of matches at the, like a world-class level, they're usually decided by like an advantage. So if you don't know how to get, if you don't know what an advantage is, needless to say, you're at a huge disadvantage by not knowing, you know, how to manipulate the rules. So a lot of times, of course, like you want to go out like Aaron and just go like, you know, screw points. I'm just going to try to toehold everything that moves. Yeah. Somebody's got, somebody's got my back. I'm going for a toehold. Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's in mount. I'm going for a toehold and I'm coaching them and I'm going, what, what are you doing? You're down 17, nothing, but I have five advantages. Which has happened. Speaking of your refereeing career, you refed one of uh, the biggest matches of my grappling career. Do you remember this? The, oh, the one of the biggest the ones. Biggest. I've re- the biggest. I've ref a lot which, of matches. Which match was this? The, probably one of the most important matches of my life. A defining moment in my <laughs> life. A defining really. moment of your Dude, life. My, we have a bond that you you don't even understand. <laughs> I'm We've honored. known each other for Oh, eight. this is where this rest decision. Did he fuck you on a rest decision? No. Oh, no, no, no. Not okay. at all. Not at all. <laughs> like eight years and you don't remember this. You which, played big, uh, You played I a big know, role I in my life. I know what you're talking about. What's that? The uh, biggest moment of your life? Clean, clean up this, on that uh, one. On. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Eight? This is you're I'm setting. A, give... You're setting the stage. This is GTA Classic. 
all my memory. I don't being... remember those details. Okay, GTA Classic, 2012. Yeah, you were probably a white belt. Hundred percent. The heavyweight championship of the white belt light featherweight tournament finals. <laughs> <laughs> you may or with... may not have made another man throw up. Uh, <laughs> I may have been the thrower upper. Oh yes, this oh. is it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you tell this story. Take it from there. There's not much of a story. It was uh, it was like that was the first tournament where I was like, I'm I'm winning. I lost so much. <laughs> I'm gonna win it. I'm gonna win the I GTA lost, Classic. I'm the fucking I lost, man. Hey, it was white belt. <laughs> you get so a, many girls. You have no idea. I'm gonna go to the bar. I'm gonna show them my deal. GTA Classic bronze medal. <laughs> you don't understand. It was a big deal. Okay. Um. So yeah. So run through just some savages. Okay. At light feather white belt. Okay. I think There's so I many think it was savages, like, especially him. Yeah, white belt. <laughs> light Shut feather. Up. Let they him tell a story. <laughs> but uh we got to it was the finals and i was like oh my god i'm finally gonna win i've i've competed so many times and just like lost constantly finally gonna win match is getting pretty intense i think i may have been up in advantage it was a close match like it was it was a white belt just scramble fest as usual (laughs) there's like literally maybe 30 seconds to a minute left i'm not sure there wasn't a lot of time left what's that there wasn't a lot of time left. I no. think there was maybe about a minute left. I don't even think there was a minute left. But uh, we get pushed out of bounds. I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it coming up before this. But I'm like, as long as we're going, it's all good. But we go out of bounds and we stop. And I like, I feel it come up. And I'm like, oh, shit. I try to like tie my belt and come back in. I, I go out one time, a little bit comes out. But I don't think anybody noticed. <laughs> I don't think anybody noticed. So I put my, I, I go to walk back in. One more time, and then I run out, and the video you see in the video just a spray. And the guy go, "What the <laughs> fuck is <Everywhere>. happening?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Mike with the cleanup on Matt one, which kind of killed the tension, which was nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I and yeah. Like, that. like clean up on Matt one, Dude. and then I look at you. I'm like, no, you stay over there. <laughs> well, I, no, I gave you my, I gave you my left hand. Yeah, <laughs> I gave you my left. Oh man! I remember. Uh, so there is actually an official rule where um, loss of bowel control, vomiting, etc., is like automatic disqualification. Like match is over. It doesn't matter if you're up a million to nothing at that point. You um, oh, you, you, you lose didn't have control. to tell me that one. I knew I was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You screwed me over, Mike. You screwed me over. All these years, I've been meaning to tell you, I was gonna win that. I was gonna win that gold medal of the GTA Classic. That's so sacred. That I was yeah. gonna take to the bar and try to pick up, uh, pick up but some look, ladies that, with. That was a moment where it was either I fold and just stop competing, or you just keep going. And look, it led to a long, illustrious, mediocre career. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> So not bad. It's okay. Like it, it doesn't get any more mediocre than my career, so don't don't worry. <laughs> well, the, the great thing about being light feather is you get max like four guys, so you're almost guaranteed a medal no matter what. Yeah, you get you, especially yeah, especially if there's a double bronze day, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> double bronze is like how many matches did you win? That's not important. The important <laughs> thing important. is look at I the got picture. Two chains around my neck. That's what, yeah. That's what's important. Just look at the picture, okay? I wasn't sure if you remember that. Did you remember that and you're waiting for me to bring it up or what? I remember that. I remember that moment. I didn't know it was you that threw up. And then when you started talking about it, I was like, okay, I think you were involved in this. That was actually like one of the first tournaments I think I've ever refed. Yeah. I think it was maybe my first or second ever. Cause I remember <laughs> I was talking like Tony's one of my instructors. He was organizing a tournament and I was asking him, like, just like, just refing rules and stuff. He's like, well, have you ever thought about refing? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I've been, you know, I've competed. I was competing a lot at blue belts. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down. And he's like, what does it pay? He's like, no, we'll train you for the day. You get paid nothing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Or, but like, but like, that's, it was one of the perks of, of refing is you, you do actually get paid for it eventually. But that was, uh, I think, thank you for bringing that up. That was actually one of the first tournaments i think i i think i refed and 
what uh, it was, it was off to a bang. I was, uh, it was all downhill from there, unfortunately for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting moment for sure. Where you realize like the nerves of being on the mats as opposed to just being in the gym. Like it's a, it's a different game being out there, you know? It is a different feeling uh, being, even if like nobody's watching your match, like it's just like, it's the nerves of, you know, competition versus, and everybody has them. Like everybody, there's a bunch of people that say they don't have, everybody has them. Like everybody gets nervous to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, like I've tried to have the, Oh, it's just, it's just another match. There's nothing to worry about or whatever. And it, every single time it's always nerves and it doesn't really, I never shake it for whatever reason. And it's okay. But it's like, then you go to the gym and it's like, yeah, it's not like nothing. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, I would, I think if everybody could translate what they do in the, in the gym compared to what they do on the mats, it's night and day, but it's always who can take that experience of the gym and bring that to the match who always finds success a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. That's the, that's the big difference maker. Everybody has heard the story of like the gym heroes, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's those guys that can somehow just clear their mind and be calm out there. Like, I yeah. think just the anxiety of the moment can really narrow your vision. Those guys that can just, you know, stay calm, see everything that's going on around them. They tend to be the most successful. Oh yeah, for sure. Bill, Bill I wanted to ask you um, guys that you've seen coming up through the ranks. Like I would say like recently or maybe even like all time from like when me and you were, were computing a little bit more. Um, who are some guys to watch out for in, in the Canadian scene and specifically maybe the Ontario scene right now? Uh, what are some names that you've seen that are like, okay, like not a lot of people know this guy, but like he can be this guy or girl that can be like a world-class talent down the road. I mean, there's people that are already there. You've seen a lot of people recently actually get promoted to their black belts over uh, the last few months. Um, like the, like Mosley and Vicky Wong, um Mike Sheehan everybody's got to look out for Mike Sheehan he's always I don't like I don't know if you're asking for unknown guys because everybody knows him um on the come up yep. yeah well, we've know, had like, Mike he, on uh pre- previously before he, he's he's somebody to watch especially at Brown and Black Belt yeah um Kieran Kieran Kachuk is phenomenal like it the, the big difference with some of these guys is they're they're taking it as if they're professionals already so like he's preparing for each one of these tournaments like it's like it's world so you know that it's just a matter of time until they're kind of blowing up on the scene you know what i mean um who else as far as on the come up purple belt there's i do obviously because of uh like recency bias i keep thinking about max hansen because he's had some great matches recently and he's doing really well um toronto who do you guys have from the toronto area like who comes to here's mind a, right for you guys? Here's a gentleman that uh, I've watched a lot who's also a, a, a fellow uh, Hobson Mora teammate of Aaron's is Ergus. Uh, I've seen oh, him yeah, a lot compete yeah, yeah. at Gi, Gi and Nogi. He just won no, he won Nogi Worlds last year at Purple Belt. Yeah. Um, he's somebody I've seen compete a lot the last few years. And Okay, so so perfect. Just, that that reminds me. Um, Amr then, because Ergus beat Amr in that, that tournament that you're talking about. So Almer's another. He's guy. another. He's another one. At, yeah, he'll be another one as well coming up. Like especially going into like he's, I believe he's still purple. He's still purple belt now, but going yeah. into like brown and black belt, which he's probably going to be in those ranks pretty sooner yeah. rather than later. Shane Shane Fishman. Yeah, Shane. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. He's super. He's one of those guys that's just super calm, no matter what. Like I, I every time I've rolled with him, I just feel like I'm sinking into that game like i you know his game because he just put out an instructional and you find yourself stuck in that like fishnet system no matter where you go it's extremely frustrating but who who else is out there at the that who do you guys think of in the purple belt division well ergus will probably be in brown belt soon so but I think he's also going to move up to like heavyweight from what I can see on Instagram lately. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. He looks huge. <laughs> like, he's, um, he's getting on the game train, Aaron. You got to join yeah, me he, and Ergus. He, he, he's definitely on the game train for sure. We're going to have him on the podcast soon. So we'll, we'll kind of get his full weight. Um, Janine, Janine at Brown Belt 
Um, yeah, well, Janina Baumbelt, like we, she's yeah. a savage. Like she's gonna be like, I, I think for her, it's just getting out to get some competitions in there right now. Mm-hmm. She's kind of yeah. Like, stuck. Well, that's, that's the tough thing for for those girls around here is there's not much competition, and then they're all friends too. Like it's it's tough to yeah. find matches for them, you know. Well, the, the issue is, and like we've talked to Patricia and Janine and a bunch of other local, like higher belt females. It's once you kind of hit like purple belt and up, it's very difficult to start finding matches just because yeah. like the, the talent pool is just not there. I mean, it's a lot better than it was like you're like, you know, like maybe in the early 2010s where it's like you have white belt females and you have like blue and up. Versus now it's like, it's white, blue, purple, and then you have a few brown and black belts. Yeah. Where yeah. like, it's, I think it just needs more time to develop, but like, she's somebody who's, she just needs, she just needs the matches like internationally where yeah. like, unfortunately right now it's very difficult for her to travel just based on what she's doing. Yeah. But when, you know, things with COVID die down and she's able to travel more and compete more though, that will help them and other people like, you know, get, get some more, recognition and get noticed outside of Ontario there's a, there's a couple guys that Max trains with as well that are I think blue belts um I, I forget the one guy's name Gabby something and then another guy's name is Jedediah Wells he's like a he's a monster he's huge but apparently he's super technical I think he's a blue belt right now so he's another guy that we should be watching out for I, a blue, I think in the next five four or five years we're gonna have a lot a lot of solid brown and black belt competitors I think it's a matter of time before, well, I, I would say for the males that there'll be like a gi purple belt world champion. There's been a lot of no gi world champions. Like, yeah. um, like Ergus is a perfect example. Like he won him and Omer clo- basically closed out like their division at like no gi worlds, for example. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's a matter of time before you start seeing um, this, a lot, a lot of purple, purple belt world champions in, in the gi, brown belt world champions, and eventually black belt world champions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's this one kid. I don't know if he's – I haven't seen him competing much recently. Brandon Hare. I think he's, I think he's a purple belt now. He's maybe 17 yes. or 18. He's, yeah. uh, he's really good too. Um, so he's a guy to definitely watch out for. He's somebody who trains at a body of four, Milton. Yeah, I've, he's, uh, he's, been tr- he's been training since he was like – five or six so like he's this is where you're going to start seeing a lot of that generation come up where you're going to see people that are like they've been training like with somebody since they were like five or six and then when they turn 16 17 they're like wrecking shop and everybody's like whoa who's this person it's like well they've been at the kids tournaments like the last like 10 years now they're competing against adults but like Basically, it's like the Rotulo twins were like, you know, they got their blue belts at 16, but really they're like black belts already. Like they're, they competed at ADCC and they're always, and they're, they did really well at like all these world-class tournaments. Like they're already black belts. They're just, it's not official yet just because you can't give them yeah. a black belt yet because of their it's, age. Those have been some of my toughest matches against like, like I'm in my mid twenties blue belt going against a 16 year old blue belt and i'm like shaking because i'm like god damn i know this kid's gonna be good because he's probably been doing this for eight years or something you know so, <laughs> this is, uh, but the hard thing is, and eager, it looks good yeah well that's that's the concern right is if they've been doing it for that long and you're like you're 20 and you've been doing it for 12 years like how's your is your body gonna hold up like i think was, there's a lot of risk in starting that young or competing that young i think i mean it, it kind of goes into the development of the, the individual, right? I mean, like, again, it depends on how hard they've been training or have they been doing all the other stuff, their body's conditioned for it, right? Whereas, like, you get a guy who's started when he was 20, now he's 30, he's been training for, again, the body doesn't heal like it did when it was younger too, right? So the younger athletes will have a better advantage of genetic, like, like biologically, they'll, they'll be conditioned more compared to an adult that's getting damaged and then still getting older. Right. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on ha- have they been injured badly or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, it pays off for some guys like look at Nikki Ryan. He's been competing since he was like whatever, 14 and seems to be doing fine. Yeah. He, he's on a special diet right now too. So <laughs> Eating clean. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard, hard work. work. It's, all, it's all hard work in Puerto wow. Rico. Hard work in Puerto Rico. 
Dumb, How dare you? Know what? Like, I would move to Puerto Rico if I had like I would too. Trust me, a few million dollars that I wanted to hide from the government. Just saying. <laughs> How dare they steal Ethan though? That's a yeah, national treasure they're taking. Yeah, Ethan went down there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and now John John Denner is going down there too. They're they're all yeah, gonna go. Yeah. Like I think because like if you look at like New York, New Jersey, all those northern states right now are it's just a clusterfuck with like the lockdowns and all that. And as professional athletes, they can't train like they, they should be training. You have to make a move somewhere where you can train. Like if that's your job, you kind of have, you have, you're at, no, you have no choice really. Mm-hmm. That's good. I wonder what's going to happen with that. Like, I, like, are they, how many people did they take? Did they take just like the, the, the Ryan brothers and, and Ethan, or they did take like a whole stable out with them. I think most of the Danaher, squad guys are probably going to go probably live down there for the time being so like they're probably just going to like you know like buy a house on the beach throw down some mats train every day or they may or they, they might even just open up a gym or like an affiliate down there because eventually yeah. if they move if they decide hey we're going to move back to new york or new jersey or wherever um they can have an affiliate out there and then somebody can teach there and they can they can run a gym yeah. Oh man. We just need some competitions going on around here. Cause I'm thinking about guys. I'm trying to think of more people. Oh, a lot of the 10th planet guys are really good around purple and brown belts. Mm-hmm. Um, James Banville, George Satis, I think it's a Greek name. So I have no idea how you, you word out or how you sound out those uh, consonants. There's a lot of vowels in there. Sorry, George Satis. But, yeah. Yeah. Big, big Kazushi. But uh, all, there's, a, there's a handful of them out of there. Uh, Francis St. Amour, they're, uh, they're really fun to watch too. And they have like the classic 10th planet style where you think they're in trouble, like bottom side control. And then all of a sudden they're either on the back or they're throwing up triangles. They're, they're fun guys to watch. It's always exciting to see like guys attacking from different positions that may not look very conventional. And I think it's... The fact that it's a lot of that stuff is very unconventional can catch a lot of people off guard. So it makes for interesting uh, matchups. Uh, Bill, so I want to ask you before we wrap up this evening. So like, what are your, flan- your plans for the future? Like, co- like post COVID, you know, going forward after today, like what, what's, uh, what's in your future? Well, I really just hope to assuming that this ends and we can get back to normal, I want to just get back to what the original plan was, which was just going to tournaments and just trying to get highlights of uh, our competitors and just keep shouting out the guys around here and uh, just keep trying to build a bigger community. Like have, have the people out West be able to see who's competing in Toronto. We can see who's out West, out East, all that. It's a big country. It's just, it's so wide that it's hard to see. You know what I mean? So that's the plan hopefully just get back to keep making more videos and um, giving people a place to see Canadian grappling. No, I think that's a great idea. I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back into that and you know, hopefully we can start training and we can start filming more. And again, like we said, like actually have like sit down interviews and meet a bunch of new people and travel all throughout Canada and just build more media. That's the big thing. It's just getting more messages and more media out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's it. That's again, like why it's great that you guys are doing this because you're bringing more attention to more athletes, and that's uh, that's what we need. Same with like P Fed. Shout out P Fed. He's uh, he's doing some oh, good yeah, uh, yeah. interviews too. Sorry, I, I know it might be a rivalry in the podcast game there, but no, uh, no, 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 no. We, we just did. We, <laughs> we just, just actually. I know. We just did one with them recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to edit. If thing, oh yeah. If things um, unfortunately, if they don't work out with with me and Aaron, I'll probably just jump on his podcast and be his co-host and. Annoy him to death. It's a good plan. Backup plan. Not bad. Yeah. And then they'll wonder, was it, was it just me or was it him? We don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But man, yeah, I just, I just want to get back to normal. I want guys to be able to train like this. It's, it's like I was saying at the start, there's no money in it. A lot of people are struggling to get by as it is. So like if they can at least get back to training and not getting locked down all the time, that would be, great you know what i mean yeah 100 percent, right like it's just like have a goal actually work to, again it's all about mental health too so these guys can just at least start to 
strive towards achieving a goal and have an idea of something. Right. So yeah, no, hopefully we get there soon. The vaccines are on the way. And what was it? JJ uh, said June the 7th, we should be back to normal. So I'm sticking with June the 7th. Everything should I'm be gonna fine. Circle, I'm going to circle that date. If, if, if things aren't back to normal yet, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have some words with JJ. I'm putting yeah. that out there right now. Wait, you lied to me. Why did you say you said it would be over? Who's JJ? Is JJ our oh, uh, JJ Filipovic. He, oh. we had him on. He has a gym in Hamilton. He said by specifically, he named a date, June 7th, 2021. There will be no more COVID. That's what he said. Those are his words, not mine. What type of That's what he said? What type of information does he have? I don't know. He's maybe talking to Bill Gates somewhere or something. I don't know. But he's damn confident. He's damn yeah. confident. <laughs> so June the 7th, we will reconvene and then we'll uh, hopefully back in training. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot, guys. If this is the end, then I uh, I really appreciate This you is the end. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, it, go subscribe to the channel. You know what I mean? Everybody go subscribe. I don't like saying that. So I'll just say it right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, Everybody those, should uh, subscribe. Yeah, you can be yeah. one of those YouTube influencers. Please subscribe to my channel. Smash oh. the like button. Oh, see, I, I don't like. Follow I don't me like on doing Facebook, that. Twitter, Instagram, Grinder, yeah. all those places where you can find Bill Defreitas. Oh, I'm big on Grinder. <laughs> oh, I bet you are. Uh, hey, hey. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care, buddy.